0: Good afternoon, everyone. Are we all right? Tepid response, but that's okay. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. We pray that it would be a lamp unto our feet, that it would guide us in the things you're calling us to. Amen. We're not having communion this afternoon. Ah, he say, it's a shame, isn't it? Um, But uh, the the thing I find um, fascinating about the way we do communion in in the Church of England, and the Anglican communion actually, is we break the bread and we say, we break this bread. Anyone know the next bit? Though we are many, we are one body because we all share in one bread. And the priest is then meant to put the bread together like that, to signify that we're, you know, that we're scattered and we come together. but well, I always think actually we should leave a bit of a gap because brokenness is a part of who we are, right? And if there's nowhere else where it's okay to acknowledge that brokenness is okay, it has to be in a place like this. That actually we're all broken. We all have stuff that goes on uh, and we all come here with that. And, and if this isn't the place where we can come with that stuff, I'm not sure where it is. So when I preside, I always leave a little gap, and perhaps you've looked at it and thought, oh, he's just not very good at his job and he can't get the bread together again. Perhaps that's the case, but it is quite hard to get two bits of bread together, um, as you can see. But, but, I, but I always leave a gap to remind me that, that uh, brokenness is a part of who we are. And today we're exploring what it means to be a community and what it means um, to live together in dignity when I was in my 20s, um, I developed an addiction. It's all right, you don't need to call the bishop, it's not a bad one. Um, I became obsessed with a game called Fantasy Premier League. Perhaps you've played it. To be honest, that's not a great mid-field there, wouldn't get you many points. But I became obsessed with it. And if you haven't played, how the game works is you get given 100 mil, not for real, unfortunately, at the start of the season, and you have to build a fantasy team... Uh, that you think is the best thing. I can see, I know this all off, I can see lots of men looking at their wives, going, like, oh, I've played this game. Um, and um, it's linked to what happens in real life, um, in the real game. And so, so, so you get points uh, based on what happens, on who scores goals, on t- tackles, that kind of stuff. And I became really, really obsessed with it. Like, like genuinely, it became an issue in my life. Um, and it was coming to the point where I was anxious about match day. Um, because I was concerned that I, you know, you know, that I wouldn't get the best score and my friends would think I didn't know anything, which is probably true. Um, and as you know, I'm an Arsenal fan. And it, and it came to the point where sometimes I didn't want Arsenal to do well because I would get less points. And I even wanted Tottenham to do really well because I had to put some of their players in my team. I felt dirty. It was awful. But it really, I just got to the point where I actually couldn't enjoy football anymore. And I would wake up on a Saturday, and you had to have your team in, I think, by 12, whatever. And I was so anxious about getting my team in. I'd wake up, and that'd be the first thing on my mind. And it wasn't a game anymore. It kind of become my um, life. Um, And I had to give it up because it it, it actually genuinely ruined my love of sport and possibly life as well. Um, But building a perfect team is really hard. I don't know what kind of job you're in. Um, and if you look at your team and think oh they're all right obviously the team here is really good and none of us at top church would ever think we all obviously think this team is brilliant but you know perhaps in your workplace you look at your team and think oh it's not quite right and if you don't probably everyone's looking at you thinking that so it does happen in every workplace but to kind of create a good team is really hard look at the current cabinet they're not exactly the cream of the crop are they um But I wonder if you've ever thought seriously about Jesus' disciples. Obviously, they look nothing like that. Um, And in all of the artwork artwork that's been depicted for thousands of years, including some of the stuff in this church, as you can see over, over there, they always look really good and holy and like heroes of the faith. And that's fine. That's a fine image to have until you read the Gospels and you discover they were a bit of a horrendous mess, that they actually weren't great. They were far from being her- her- heroes of the faith. They were far from being great, which, are, which gives me hope, actually. I don't know about, about you, perhaps you think you're a hero of the faith already, and that's great. But for me, it gives me hope. You know, you've got Peter, who just couldn't keep his mouth shut. You can decide who that's like at this church but can't keep their mouth shut and in Christ's greatest hour of need he ran away even though he said he never would then you've got James and John with their nickname the Sons of Thunder that's a great name isn't it Sons of Thunder who were always up for a fight and if they didn't agree with anyone they would just call down fire that's a skill I want they would want to call down fire on those we disagreed with Not the best way, I think, to share the gospel of love, peace, and hope. And then, of course, you have Judas, who we all know was a thief and betrayed Christ. What a team. What a team Christ put together to follow him. And then if you look beyond that, there's others that he calls to follow him. And what we discover is it's just one big mess he just calls those who are in utter mess who have utter mess going on in their lives and in their hearts and very often they're outcast by society and he dignifies them by calling them to follow him and i often think if he was serious about setting up a religion why would he call those guys if he was serious about being a political figure who had come to change everything why would he call that those guys they weren't even the best they weren't even that great. Um, I remember when we were looking for, for curacies, so we were looking for a place to come and learn how to do church stuff, we spent a lot of time looking at different churches all over the country, and some of them were dreadful, to, to be honest. Obviously, this one was great, um, but lots of them were dreadful. I saw some dreadful things. Um, and um, we came here to meet James, and he took us out for, for like um, lunch. Obviously, that was a winner straight away, and he pays. Like, I like this place. Um, went out for, 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 uh, for like a lunch, and um, and there's something that, that he said that stuck wi- with me that hasn't le- left me. And he said, uh, at Top Church, what we're trying to do is build a bigger table, not a bit b- bigger stage. And I've thought a lot about that. And in churches, actually, it's really easy to build a brand or a platform to become a thing, to become a big thing, to become a ne- network that kind of you kind of pretend it's a good thing, but actually it's a, it's a thing which conquers all. Um, and actually, I think it's quite easy to tell when that's the case in a church because they start to sell T-shirts and stuff, merch. I found. And um, actually, it becomes this this kind of this kind of brand. And the problem with those kind of things, is they can't be diverse in thought and in culture because it silences anything that doesn't quite fit with what the leader thinks, with with what the church thinks. And so what we're trying to do here is to build a space where everyone can belong, where everyone is allowed to be who they are. And I found that to be quite rare in church. Um, And we're trying to create a space where you can belong before you believe, that actually it's about people before doctrine. We actually have quite a low bar in this church to be part of it. It's true, I can tell, I'm looking at you all, I'm joking. (laughs) We have quite a low bar because actually it's about belonging. It's about coming here and being aware that you are allowed to be who you are. Whoever you are, whoever you love, whatever lifestyle you live, you are welcome to be here. We, we kind of want to, to create a space where you can bring your whole self. All the good stuff, all the bad stuff, and everything in between. And in, do, do, in do doing that, we bring dignity to each other. And particularly, we want this to be a space and a place for those who have been ostracized from other forms of church, who haven't been allowed to be or haven't felt like they can be themselves in other Kinds of churches. And we do that by caring for each other, by really listening to each other, being aware of each other. You know, that when things are going well, we celebrate with each other. And when things are going awfully, we can weep and comfort each other. Um, I often find that when I'm out on the street and I've got my collar on, people always ask me, What's top church like? I never really know how to answer that. Like, what do they want me to say? and I always say that it's a church for those who probably wouldn't otherwise go to church. And if that's not the case for you, that's, that's like fine. But I'm aware that for many of us here, that's the case for us, that actually this is the church that we found because we felt like we can be ourselves, that we can be who we are. I find it um, hilarious when people talk about the kind of early church as this like, brilliant thing. Actually, if you read any of the letters from the early church you discover it was a real mess and so what we're saying here is it's okay for us to be a mess it's okay for us not to have it right it's okay to come as you are and to be accepted in this place as you are we want to be an inclusive space where you can come as you are and who you are and I hope that brings comfort, because that comforts me, that I don't have to come and pretend to be something I'm not, because I did that for a long time, and it's actually damaging to yourself, isn't it, to pretend to be something that, that you're not in order to fit into a community. So please feel that this is a space where you can come and you can be. So, th- so this evening, how might God be calling you to bring others d- dignity in this space? Who haven't you ever had a conversation with in this church? And you just know you need to have a conversation. There's like a niggle in your heart that you need to have a conversation with someone today. You need to get to know someone some, 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 some in this church who's different to you today. Because the most transforming thing I've found about church is that when I look out and I see all of you and you see me, I'm, I'm reminded that God wants my company as much as he wants yours. That God loves me as much as he loves you. And perhaps you think, well, God doesn't love me. Well, have a look, look around and think, oh, God loves me as much as he loves all of this crazy gang. Actually, that's the joy of church, isn't it? it? We can't do it alone. And the joy is that we look around and think, wow, this is a place I can be. And God doesn't always invite those that we want him to invite. He invites whoever comes, and you can see that. We're a diverse, incredible community, and that's a real joy. So perhaps today in the tea and coffee time, have a look around, see who's around, and let the joy of that fill your heart.